all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hello and welcome back to a live version of Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, and it's all things considered about whatever's on your mind, medically speaking, today. We have a lot to talk about, and uh, I want you to pick the topics. Uh, I've got a lot of things I'm interested in, but the key thing is what's on your mind and what you need help with. So if you can uh, think of any questions, it would be helpful. We'll be giving our best shot at answering them at one 672 7464 No special topic. That's mpbringonline.org for emails, and we are, yes, answering emails. Got an email already about hyperlipidemia. Uh, what is the present recommendation for control of your bad cholesterol LDL? Uh, well, it depends, like everything else. The statistics on this suggest that the normal level for an American of an LDL should be somewhere around 100. Uh, most of my patients have LDLs uh, untreated in the 125 to 50 level, so a lot of them get put on statins. But if you have, a, have strong risk factors for heart disease, like a first-degree relative who's had a heart attack, uh, diabetes in your family, then closer to 70 would be the LDL value. In uh, Whenever I get a new patient, I ask them what their values are, and they've been going to doctor this and doctor that for years is for their primary care, and, and uh, I usually see them for specialty care issues, but check on that, and they inevitably say it's normal. And then I get a copy of the lipids uh, that, that were done, and they're not normal. So you've got to know what the values are. So you want an LDL of less than 100 if possible. 120 is sort of the upper limits of not treating. Uh, and uh, 70 if you have risk factors or existing cardiovascular disease. That almost always requires statin treatment. And, of course, you want an HDL in the 40 to 50 levels, and uh, that's also a problem because we don't exercise anymore and get those up. So there you go. You're up to date on that. Listen, uh, we have open lines at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to Grand Bay in just a minute, and we'd love to have your question. Here's another big problem. <clears throat> Recommendations have just been made that parents and grandparents talk to their uh, children grandchildren about the choking game. Uh, this is a new craziness. Uh, there are, has been an epidemic of uh, serious injuries, in, primarily in adolescents, who uh, have somebody strangle them in an attempt to produce euphoria, a happiness state. And uh, this is crazy. Because the carotid arteries on either side of your neck that you can feel if you put your fingers in a C around your neck uh, are the predominant blood carriers to your brain. And if you squeeze those, then there's no blood going to your brain and you will uh, pass out within minutes or within seconds. And if the strangulation continues for minutes, then you will have permanent uh, issues. A number of children have now been reported with complications of playing this game, uh, and uh, it's uh, significant learning problems and other things. So it, you need to at least check and see if your kids have heard about 
the choking game where uh, people are uh, choked uh, by others uh, and uh, most of them pass out and then uh, they talk about what a wonderful experience it is. Which Dr. Rick, is, I've also heard about uh, everybody wants to eat Tide Pods now. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Thank you for reminding me about that. That's my colleague, Jay White, who keeps me on target. Those little bullets inside the uh, some of the Tide tied that just drop into your they look like almost look like they look like toys don't they they do yeah yeah and they uh, smell really nice and they're different colors that's the latest thing is to put them in your mouth is that it i guess ingest yeah and those things are really toxic they're loaded with all kinds of enzymes and other things and that results to the point where todd says they're considering not making them anymore that's Uh, crazy that would be a great that would be a great suggestion, you know, because it's crazy. People, the kids are experimenting. And by the way, we know why that is now. Uh, some very important neuroimaging studies in uh, adolescents basically show that your brain does not mature, fully mature, the frontal lobe part that is important in decision making until you are 21 or so. And that that's why people do stupid things, because the other part of the brain, the lower part, uh, called the limbic system, matures much earlier. So that's a stimulation for emotions and uh, libido and all that kind of stuff. And it is normally controlled by the f- frontal lobe, the, the cortex, modulating those urges that all we animals have. And uh, it does, and they don't mature in sequence. So here, people are doing crazy stuff like choking each other. So if you want to talk about choking me, give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring, or you can send us an email at southernremedy@mpbonline.org. Let's go to Grand Bay and Rick. Hey, Rick. Hey, Rick. What's Hi, happening? Rick. I think we got a. I think we got an echo going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Friend of his own. Yes. Mir- miracle drug for me. Mm. And uh, I can only get my doctor to give me that little, what is it, five-day pack? Yep. At one time. Yep. And uh, But it makes my life unbelievably different. So what are you taking it for, joints or what? No, for, uh, I had uh, acute asthma. Uh-huh. Which is now, I think it's, well... COPD is like a, that's a coverall word, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but she's got me in last stage, and she's got me diagnosed as last stage. Uh-huh. So, but it makes my breathing, man, where I was able to go out yesterday, you know, even with a, you know, a portable oxygen tank. Is this a pulmonary around. specialist, a lung specialist, or who? Uh, I'm, I have a uh, doctor who's at a clinic who is a, uh, she's a surgeon. Uh-huh. And she's my primary. Uh-huh. She never sent me out to a carteri or carter or a carteri yeah. or a pulmonary. Yeah, well, giving me the uh, the lung capacity test. That's the issue. Check my gases test. All right. Well, now listen, listen real carefully, okay? Because I'm going to give you some information that I hope will be helpful. Uh, number one, uh, if you have advanced chronic obstructive pulmonary disease which is different from asthma. Asthma is a condition where there is reversibility in the amount of obstruction you have from breathing out. People with obstructive lung disease can breathe in, but they can't breathe out, and they trap air, and it makes them even more short of breath. And uh, you can get this either from having asthma, where it's reversible, uh, and, or you can get it where it doesn't reverse. It's permanently, the lung is permanently damaged by smoking or inhaling certain particles. Sounds like you have COPD uh, and you have the emphysema com- uh, part of that because uh, it's frequently just called COPD. Some people wheeze with it, some people don't, but the pulmonary functions show it's not reversible. When you get to an FEV1 of one liter or less, that's how much you can blow out in one second, one liter uh, uh, in one second. Uh, That is what we call end-stage lung disease, roughly around that area. You can argue about what the number is. And people who uh, get to that stage uh, have uh, significant risk 
uh, for dying in the near future. Now, the near future may be 10 years. It may be 10 minutes. It depends on whether you get the flu or whether you've gotten your uh, immunizations to prevent getting bacterial infection like pneumococcal infections with pneumovax and so forth. It's, a lot of it is just good luck, bad luck type stuff. So the present recommendations for anyone uh, who has uh, advanced COPD is uh, daily inhalation of an inhaled steroid uh, and two types of bronchodilators. One of them uh, is a bronchodilator muscle relaxant like albuterol or a long-acting agent. And the other, albuterol short, so we usually give long-acting. Frequently, this is given in combination with an inhaled steroid and a drug like atrovin or ipratropium, uh, which is another airway relaxer. And if that does not give you symptomatic relief and get your oxygen levels up to the um, desired area, we give you oxygen and offer you daily uh, prednisone treatment. And you're obviously a responder. There's two reasons you respond to pro, uh, to prednisone. One, it, it's a mood elevator. And two, it really helps control the mucus plugging that is such a big part of COPD. So your problem is you're not dealing with the right specialist. A surgeon should have already referred you to either an internist or preferably a pulmonologist and that's what you need to do. You need to get yourself a consultation with a pulmonary specialist. And they're all over the place uh, in your area of the, of the state of Alabama because a whole bunch of them have been trained at uh, South Alabama and, and UAB and other places over the years. So I would firmly uh, ask her for referral to a pulmonary specialist, because you're right, you probably do need to be on it. The risk benefits probably weigh uh, with you being on a daily dose of oral prednisone if you uh, have that much response to it, if indeed uh, your diagnosis is correct, and I'm sure it is. So, Rick, send me an email if you need further information about long-term management of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. I definitely will give you the ammunition to take to your uh, doctor. And if you can't get that referral, change doctors. That's my recommendation. Hey, let's go to Jackson and Joe. Hey, Joe. Hello. You got the itch? You got the itch? Yes, uh, I have itching uh, since about August in Uh my scalp, and everything I try doesn't work. What have you tried? Uh, uh, Medicated... uh, shampoos and things like that. I, I do use hair dye, uh-huh. but I've never had this, uh, uh, like an allergic reaction from hair dye. And I've been using the same product for about four years. Uh-huh. So is, uh, uh, does, does this, get, how often do you have to use that? Is that a daily one or you have to use it once a no, week? No, I, I, I don't, I don't use it very often. Mm-hmm. I'm still just, uh, trying to figure out before I go to, uh, someone, a uh, uh-huh. doctor, to find out what's going on. I just haven't. And then two weeks ago, my ankles and uh, from my knee down mm-hmm. started itching, and I, I've never had that sensation before either. Mm-hmm. So uh, everybody in uh, in Mississippi that has indoor heat is itching right now because all of our skin is just dried out by mm-hmm. the lack of humidity. So it's not unusual for people to have itching on their legs where their pants go up and down and abrade that and arms and chest during this time of year and to have uh, bad dandruff with it. Now, there's no way for me to know over the over the phone uh, what this is. There are conditions, eczematoid conditions, psoriasis, uh, and others that can cause the symptom complex that you have. Uh, however, more likely than not, it's a combination of seborrheic dermatitis, which is uh, a scaly dermatitis that occurs in the scalp, and uh, and just dry skin. So you asked me for uh, a recommendation before you go to see your primary care doctor or dermatologist, and I'll give you that. And uh, so... If indeed uh, I am correct, 
uh, picking the most common things that cause your symptom, which may or may not be correct, but if I am, statistically I am, uh, what I would recommend you do is get T-Gel shampoo. Have you used that? T-Gel? Uh-huh. No, I haven't. Well, that's why it doesn't work. Okay. So T-Gel uh, or T-Sal, either one of those, is available at any drugstore. T-Gel is a coal tar-based T-Sal is just salicylate. Both of them do the same thing. I prefer the two, the T-Gel, uh, but don't use it in the bathtub because it can, it's got tar in it, and so it can uh, mess up your, your porcelain. So what you do with the T-Gel shampoo is you shampoo, you get in the, get in the shower, wet down, and then squirt a generous amount of this stuff in your scalp, soap it up, and then take the rest of your shower uh, and then uh, uh, wash it off. And you do that every day until the itching stops, and it usually takes about a week. And then you, every time you shampoo, you use this stuff. That gets rid of it. If you have some scaling on your uh, eyebrows, uh, eyelashes, and so forth, you can also uh, carefully close your eyes and, and soak those up with this stuff, and it gets rid of that. Um, so far as your your legs, I recommend either Aquaphor, A-Q-U-A-P-H-O-R, which is over-the-counter g- grease that works great, but it is greasy, uh, to moisturize your skin twice a day. Uh, or if you want to spend some money and get something that isn't as greasy, the, the, the emollient uh, in vogue right now is CeraVe. And it's pronounced by different people. In Mississippi, we call it CeraVe. In Alabama, they probably call it CeraVe. In New York, they probably don't call it. Uh, But it's uh, over-the-counter in a big uh, one-pound jar. So I would use the CeraVe on my legs, T-Gel on my um, scalp. And if that doesn't fix it, you bought a visit to the doctor uh, because there are a lot of other things that can cause that. But that's my guess, and I hope that's helpful. Don't use your hair dye until you get this sorted out, because it could be a delayed reaction to your hair dye in your scalp. It's They're famous for that. Uh, so I, would, I wouldn't put that variable in there until I got this under control. Hey, we've got open lines. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to Waveland and Oxford, but we really would like to go to your house. If you give us a call on anything that's on your mind, we'll get, give it our best shot acknowledging that we're using buckshot, and sometimes we uh, get around it rather than hitting it head-on. But we do our very best to give you information, in particular look for alarm signs that would require uh, immediate attention. So we're at uh, 1877-MPB-RING, and we are taking your emails at southernremedy.mpbonline.org. Let's go to Jessica in Waveland. Hey, Jessica. Hi. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have um, my daughter had uh, four wisdom teeth removed, and the morning of it, I asked for um, just a a few narcotics uh, just to get her through the hump on the pain. Mm-hmm. And after um, she had recovered, well, after uh, they told me I could go back in the back and, and pick her up, they had already typed up thirty narco. Wow. And um, I, I'm going to send the um, the oral surgeon a letter because, you know, we all know that Mississippi and the country has a huge narcotics opioid problem. And I just hope that there's parents out there um, listening that, you know, they need to talk to their oral surgeon before mm-hmm. the surgery and... You know, I, I am disposed. I have disposed of the the extras, but we only needed about four out of the entire box right, of thirty. Right. Listen, thank you so much uh, uh, for for your call. You said that so much better than I could have said it, and I greatly appreciate it. The information you shared is life saving, uh, and uh, we have not trained physicians, dentists. Uh, nurse practitioners uh, that have narcotics licenses, how to use these drugs. Moreover, 
the literature is just now developing the research on this. For instance, uh, there was a recent study uh, done in adolescents who had outpatient orthopedic procedures done. These were um, things like, uh, you know, uh, arthroscopic uh, uh, evaluation of their knees or, you know, minor kinds of non-invasive stuff that you can have in day stay. And they compared the use of opiates to naproxen, which is an over-the-counter non-steroidal as a leave, but can be given at higher doses by prescription. There was no difference between the two so far as pain control, and the people who uh, use anaprosin have fewer side effects. So, you know, we don't even have good studies showing how helpful opioids are in pain. I, I know in some people they're very helpful, and others uh, uh, non-steroidal is just as good, if not better. So, uh, and certainly they should be given for two or three days and you should be moved over to something non-addictive. The problem is, in some people, a couple of uh, doses of an opioid turns the switch on for that subpopulation, and they are immediately seeking the drug thereafter. So it is not worth the chance of finding out whether you have the propensity to be an opioid addict to use those drugs when they don't need to be used. And we have gotten to the point now uh, that some of our doctors don't even prescribe opioids. They let their their narcotics license uh, lapse where they can tell their patients you'll have to go to a pain management specialist. I don't do that. I'm a rheumatologist. I see a lot of people in tractable pain, and I do use those drugs, but I do, do use them very carefully. And I do not fill, uh, give any refills for them, and I only give a very small amount and combine that with something else that is not an opioid, using the opioid only for rescue uh, on top of some other uh, management approach. So I hope that is helpful. And Jessica, it is most appropriate that you write that letter out of concern for the other patients being seen in that uh, uh, practice uh, because uh, there's a problem there. So thank you, thank you so much for that. We have open lines at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going like a choo choo train to try to get to your call just as rapidly as possible and answer as many as possible. And remember that when you call in with a problem, somebody else has got it. And uh, what we can help with that one will help with somebody else. So you're doing us a favor. Uh, as uh, uh, fellow sufferers along this road of life to call in and get some information about it. So uh, feel good about giving us a call if that's helpful. Let's go to Oxford and Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Hello. What's happening? Hi, how are you, Dr. Rick? I'm doing good, and I appreciate your call. Thank you. You've got a problem. Uh, Yes. My mother is uh, 83 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. She has recently been diagnosed with uh, congestive heart failure, and she's in a uh, nursing home for a couple weeks of rehab after a uh, after a hospital stay. Yes. And while she was checking in uh, and talking to my father, it sounds like she has something of a problem with Ambien. Mm-hmm. She's uh, been on Ambien for over 10 years, on yep. 10 milligrams. Yep. She will hoard it in terms of she has about six months' supply on hand. And she will chop it up into, uh, she has the 10-milligram tablets, she'll chop up into smaller uh, pieces mm-hmm. and then take them throughout the night, mm-hmm. I think sometimes as much as 25 milligrams. Whoa. And uh, so I'm just, and yesterday they, uh, you know, it's kind of after yeah, you're, Kevin, you're breaking up just a little bit. Come on back to where you were in your room where we can hear you. Can Can you hear us now? Yes, I can hear you fine. So. Okay, that's better. We lost you for a second. All right, so can can I give you some suggestions? Is that why you called? That's exactly right. Okay, all right. Well, this is heartbreaking, and it's not uncommon. Uh, one of the most difficult things I have uh, to do in, in my practice is to get people off of benzodiazepine and other types uh, of sleeper medicines. 
And uh, Ambien is quite effective and actually was originally introduced as a super safe drug, especially to be used in seniors that have uh, insomnia. And now we have found that it's nowhere near as safe as it was and that some people do get habituated to using it. Your mom is uh, more than just habituated. She is using it probably all day uh, as a uh, a mood uh, to control her mood. She, I'm sure, has some kind of panic disorder or some other kind of psychiatric disorder that has caused her to do this. And it can be very effective in mood control um, because it, uh, it, you know, is in the family of drugs that that do that. So um, the problem is, is that she may have some withdrawal since she's been uh, using so much. And uh, I I think it's very important for step one that you to her doctor is probably not providing care for her in the nursing home. So you need to call the nursing supervisor in the nursing home. This is a good time to take care of this and tell her to please get the medical director of the nursing home. There's a physician that has to be the medical director over to see her and sort this out exactly how it's going to be done. He needs to, uh, the doc, that doctor needs to confront her about this, find out how much she's actually taking, figure out why she's taking it, and if she has panic disorder or something like that, get her on uh, a safer medicine for that, uh, like an antidepressant, like an SSRI. There are many of them uh, that can be used in low doses for seniors. Uh, to prevent her from going off the deep end while uh, you get her off this stuff. He also, or she should also, the the uh, the uh, doctor, uh, figure out whether she has a serious psychiatric problem. And uh, if she does have an addiction to this, uh, he may have to get some help from um, a an addiction specialist uh, who... Um, it can help him with this. So that would be that would be my suggestion uh, for for handling this. I'm sorry it happened. It is not uncommon. It is almost impossible to get people to stop using these sleepier medicines once they get on them. That's why I just don't put people on them anymore. The only ones I give are renewals of for people who are already hung up on them to try to keep them from going into withdrawal. But I use a lot uh, of other techniques and and a lot of melatonin, which can be very helpful for people with insomnia. A lot of these people have sleep apnea and other problems that are not picked up. So, Kevin, I hope that's helpful. If you need uh, more uh, suggestions or information, just send me an email. But you need to let everybody know what's going on. And after you talk to the medical director and the nursing director, about her, you need to call her primary care doctor and let him know the story where when she does get out of there, or her, uh, when she does get out of there, you, uh, he is ready to take over the management of this problem. So I hope that's helpful. Listen, we have two open lines now. If you ever wanted to talk about whatever it is that ails you, now is a good time to call. Now, well, we have, we have, we have an opportunity here to go to Fairhope, so we're going to have a good question or answer or recommendation, but we'd like to hear from you at one 672 7464 That's 1-877-MPB-RING. Here's another email, and that is one about if you're having pain and you've been giving given an opioid, uh, what do you substitute for it if you need to take it once or twice a day? Well, here's the problem. The more opioid you take, the more your brain adjusts to it and the more you need. It does not stay your pain relief, if you're getting pain relief, uh, is not fixed because you become tolerant to it and you have to take more and more. Moreover, uh, there are there's a significant subset uh, of people who actually experience decreased pain 
if they have chronic pain when they get off of opioids because for some reason it derails the circuit for pain. You know, we have these sensory uh, neurons, uh, nerves in our legs, arms, gut, chest, so forth, that go to the brain and it gets processed in there in certain ways for you to be able to interpret where it came from and how bad it is. And that circuit is all connected to your frontal lobe as well, your area of decision-making and thought and intelligence. So it can get processed all kinds of different ways. That's why you can use your frontal lobe to divert your thought processes about pain and actually diminish your pain yourself by self-treatment. I mean, we didn't have narcotics a thousand years ago. People didn't have all this stuff that they used for pain, and they had pain with babies and just like we have now and other other things, uh, injuries. So um, anyway, uh, there are lots of alternatives and non-steroidals. Uh, or uh, a good example like naproxen, Aleve, we talked about earlier, taken with a stomach protector. There's all kinds of uh, counter irritants. I love capsaicin, uh, which you can put on something that hurts. You have to follow the directions because it's red pepper. Uh, there's Volterran gel, which is a non steroidal, which is great for knee pain and thumb pain that everybody in the world seems to have. Uh, there are all kinds of other things to use other than narcotics. Hey, Mary, what's going on in my favorite place, Fairhope? Hi there. It's Good to hear from you. It has been here. Boy, I bet <laughs> it's beautiful today it down there, isn't it? It is. It's a pretty day today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I talked with you some years, I think, ago now about eczema, yeah. which has been diagnosed with two biopsies. He tried very hard to find mites or something like that, uh-huh. but it was. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. It's traveled up and down from my scalp to my feet and back and everywhere. It moves around a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's used everything on uh, the dermatologist. He's mm-hmm. used everything he could think of, mm-hmm. including light therapy, mm-hmm. um, none of which really helped very much. And I don't know whether it's just worn itself out or whether I've come up with an idea. He, we've used Aquaphor and so on. Uh-huh. But the other day I was sitting here and itching. And I thought, well, I got a jar of Vaseline. Uh-huh. So I got some of the Vaseline and smeared it on my arms and my shoulder, which were bothering me at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be helping. Well, great. So uh, it, 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 Vaseline was has been used for uh, you know decades for moisturization, uh, and uh, we also traditionally uh, used uh, Crisco. Crisco as well, which is another good moisturizer. We used to use that, we still do, for people who uh, you know don't have any money to buy even over-the-counter medicines. And, and for some reason or other, in some people, one of these moisturizers works better than the other. So uh, that, uh, that sounds great. I do want to take this opportunity to mention that for severe atopic dermatitis, we now have a new biologic drug uh, that um, is uh, an injectable, very much like Embril for rheumatoid arthritis, but it works for a severe eczema uh, that is rarely required. We don't know what causes eczema. The most common cause of eczema in children it's related to underlying allergies, uh, and uh, we can we can certainly help with that. In adults, it tends to be an itch scratch cycle related to skin dryness and inflammation, and that's what's seen on the biopsy. We we try to exclude other things that can cause this, like infections and other things you mentioned. And the the recommendation for that is to be European, cut your baths back to once a week. By the way, people over there, some of them don't don't get don't don't bathe, but once a month. Uh, I guess that's what deodorant's for. Uh, but uh, when we 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 have an obsession of taking baths and showers, and that just dries your skin out. So cut your uh, baths and showers out. When you do, stay in the bathtub until your uh, fingers crinkle because that means you've actually got some moisturization going on. Get out of the bathtub, 
pat dry and then grease up. And you can use uh, Vaseline. You can use Aquaphor, which is high-class Vaseline. You can use, if you don't like grease, you can use CeraVe or one of the other creams, Eucerin, uh, which don't work as well. But if you use more of them, do work quite well. Uh, and if that doesn't work, the next step is to use a combination of half um, of the moisturizer and half of a topical steroid. For instance, you can mix uh, uh, hydrocortisone ointment uh, with uh, Vaseline in equal parts, and that is a very, very good way to deal with itching. And after that, you have to go to see a provider uh, if that doesn't take care of it. But I have eczema uh, myself, and during the winter, I have to grease up and uh, then during the summer, when I get a little bit of sun and uh, get some water exposure, it goes away. So I will. We certainly passed along, uh, Mary, your thoughts about Aquaphor and uh, use uh, uh, Vaseline, and I think that's a great thing to try. So thanks for your. It's certainly cheaper than what you've been paying for. So go for it. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Vicksburg and Paul. We have an open line at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Paul, what's going on? Yes, sir. I have two different medications I was going to ask you about. Um, I, I have been on the, the Ambien for sleep aid for about 15 years now, uh-huh. and I was wanting to change from it to a medication called Helios or Helios. Mm. Is that a biolog- uh, Is that a prescription? Yes, sir. It's, a non- it's, it's, for, it's for the blind. I'm totally blind. Uh-huh. It's a, a non-24 medication. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, from, I'm familiar. I just didn't know the brand name. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you know anything about that medication? Yeah, it's it's uh, not a whole lot different than the others. It is a uh, uh, so, so your problem is specifically related to your uh, vision issues, right? You have day night problems, is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, that that is a special case, and that drug has actually uh, been uh, helpful for people with your specific problem and is one of those circumstances where the risk and benefit is a different judgment uh, uh, than with some of the other medicines. So uh, I I have not had uh, but I think one or two people who have taken it. I don't have that many patients who are severely vision impaired, uh, but uh, the the ones that have used it have been very happy with it. Um, I do recommend that if you have uh, uh, severe vision impairment, that when you start a, uh, a new medicine like that, that can affect your balance, uh, uh, which is very important when you don't have normal vision, that you take it under observation the first several nights that you take it to cycle your sleep and that there's someone there when you get up to go to urinate during the night or whatever to make sure you don't fall uh, until you have acclimated to the medicine. Uh, but otherwise, I, you know, in, in your particular case, it may be very, very helpful. Uh, how's that? One other question about the, about the Norco. Um, let's see, for about... Uh, 20, 24, 24 years now, I guess. Mm-hmm. I've been taking uh, between four and five Norco tens a day, mm-hmm. and now they're trying to cut back. And I, I was in a hunting accident, and I've, I've lost my eyesight, and uh, you know, uh, I have um, uh, pellets in my brain, and um, severe pain, mm-hmm. and. Uh, is there any way to go off the Norco to something else slowly? Uh, right. So uh, uh, the pain is from uh, what kind of injury? What? What? what Where's the pain coming from? From joints or where? Uh, this more deep, deep pain. Uh, and actually, my skin is more of a numb. Like, it's my, it's, superficially, it's numb, but d- down, you know, it's deep pain. Uh huh. Okay, so and you've been you've been to a pain management specialist, yes, sir. And you've probably been tried on neurotin and so forth and so yes, on. Sir. I have bad reactions from neurotin, like a really like a 
psychotic type. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, how how good a relief do you get from the narco? Uh, pretty much ninety. I'd say eighty five, ninety percent. Uh huh. And have you ever uh, ever uh, used any other modalities like uh, acupuncture? Uh, or, no, uh-huh. no sir. Uh-huh. So what we usually do for people that have exceptional situations like you do, uh, that is an indication for continuing these if that is the only relief you get. So uh, uh, I think uh, your pain management specialist uh, can sign a contract with you to continue that and make sure that they monitor your levels and so forth. But... The first step is finding out the lowest dose that controls your symptoms, and that's what they're trying to do. You're on a short-acting agent, not a long-acting agent, which is good. You probably definitely are habituated to it, and the taper has to be very, very uh, cautiously done, especially since you're also going to be taking some kind of sleeper with it. So. I think a uh, you know uh, a fellowship trained uh, pain management person is the right go to person. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, thank you so much. I hope that helps. Helps, and I I'm sorry that you're still hurting. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. All right, that was uh, that was a complicated one. Yep, and uh, there are special cases. That's why the prohibitions of use of any drug that has therapeutic value. Uh, uh, that are so easy for politicians to think about or police, uh, other law enforcement uh, that that don't uh, take care of these people is, uh, you know, you have to be cautious about that. You just can't say uh, this is the way it is for everybody because there's always an exception to the rule. Let's go to Greenwood and Willis. Hey, Willis. Hi. Uh, how you doing, Doc? Doing good. What's your issue? Uh, my issue is that I have a hemorrhoid problem, and I heard about the home remedies, and I'd like to know if you can think of anything that I can use for my hemorrhoids and also my moisturization when I use the restroom. Uh-huh. I had a, a cold collar recently, and they said it was, it was good and everything was good. But I have this constipation problem. There was no moisturization, but I, I try to eat a lot of fiber, vegetables, and fruits. Right. Okay. So uh, you have had chronic constipation since you were a child. Is that right? No, I never had a child. I just started developing about two, three years ago, but it got better. And then I, I went to a cold call. They said it, it looked good. It's uh-huh. definitely everything good. But uh, uh-huh. so I like, you know, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and stuff like that and high fiber food. But I mean, I've eaten enough. Sometimes my wife back there is not so moisturized. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Okay. And so let me ask you another question. Uh, how much are you drinking a lot of caffeinated uh, drinks? Coffee? And- no, I don't drink no soda, nothing like that. I, I just started drinking a little small amount of coffee, which is Stevo, Stevo, because I got di- I'm a type two diabetes. So I just started drinking a little coffee with the Stevo uh-huh. cream. Okay, and uh, how much water are you drinking? Uh, I drink around approximately. I'm gonna say about three, four. I'm gonna say about a quart of water a day. Okay, so um, so l- you you have a, a little bit of a complex. A story, and uh, let me just give you some generalizations and some ideas. Number one, people <clears throat> with type two diabetes uh, may be placed on medications that cause constipation. Unfortunately, the one that you start on, metformin, uh, for type two diabetes, usually fixes uh, constipation if you have it because it can it's it increases your uh, stools it gives you uh, in fact some people have diarrhea for the first couple of weeks that they do it uh, so uh, number one ask your doctor if any of the medicines that you own could be contributing to your constipation secondly people who have diabetes can have motility disorders in their gut and they don't work right and that causes constipation constipation, and it appears that that, that you had a colonoscopy, and I presume they looked at that, so uh, I'm going to exclude that. So that leaves us with what's called—the other thing is hypothyroidism. Uh, Your thyroid can be low, and there's an increased instance of hypothyroidism in people with type 2 diabetes uh, and type 1 diabetes, so uh, I'm presuming that your TSH— your thyroid-stimulating hormone level is normal, and that's not a cause. So those are the kinds of medical things that really pop up. 
If you don't have any medical cause of this, then it is called idiopathic constipation. And the treatment for that, if all the psyllium and other stuff haven't wor- have, hasn't worked, is very simple. It's called Miralax, right? Miralax. And it's also called Gycolax, which is the generic of the Miralax. And you can get this over the counter at any drugstore, and it will definitely take care of the problem you're talking about with hard, dry stools. And uh, it comes with a cap on the top of it. And you start by uh, taking a cap of uh, that stuff a night. The, most people uh, do it by putting a capful in a glass of warm water and stirring up, let it sit. It becomes clear after about three or four minutes, and then you just drink it. It doesn't taste bad. And you go up following the instructions on the label uh, to two, two and a half caps a day, and then you start taking it twice a day until you get to a level that the problem's fixed. Now, the secret to getting the problem fixed is to drink at least six large glasses of uncaffeinated beverage a day. And between this uh, laxative, which is not addictive, does not uh, give you side effects, uh, and uh, the water, that takes care of about 90% of patients. Occasionally, patients will have to take a stimulant laxative with it. uh, And uh, so there are uh, Senecot, for instance, is the one that is most... Uh, frequently used, and they're generics of Senecot, which is Senna. And so if the Miralax doesn't doesn't do it, then taking a couple of Senecot pills at at bedtime will do it in the remaining. uh, That leaves you with 4 or 5% of people that still have it. So I hope that's helpful. And if you want to know more, send me an email, and we'll try to help. By the way, opioids are incredibly constipating. And uh, that's another reason for this. Hemorrhoids are a problem and usually seen in people who uh, have straining at the stool. And there must be one on the line right now, and I'm going to call him back later. Let's go to uh, our next patient who is in Beaumont. Hey, Sue. Hello. What's going on? Well, I think you just answered (laughs) what, what I was going to make a comment my late best friend was uh, given opioids while undergoing cancer treatment, and the most annoying side effect, which you never hear mentioned, was the severe constipation and loss of appetite associated with opioids. But I think you just answered that by taking stool softeners and drinking lots of fluids. Well, I'm glad I got a twofer there. <laughs> that is that is the answer. Now, I didn't say stool softeners. Those are helpful in some people, too. There are osmotic osmotic laxatives like Miralax that, uh, and fiber that draw fluid into your gut that are, are the safest and most effective uh, for uh, constipation. Then there, is, um, uh, then there are stimulant laxatives like Senecot, and then there are lubricants like Colace. So that's, that's the, what's out there over the counter. And I I I I go directly to the osmotic ones first because they work the most commonly. And I just think Miralax. That's by the way the same stuff you take uh, for uh, a prep for colonoscopy, except you just take a lot more of it. Um, is is a is a lifesaver, and it just it doesn't do anything bad to you like uh, other things can do. So I do that, and then the stimulant, and sometimes I'll do. Uh, the the use uh, a combination of a stimulant plus if they have hemorrhoids a stool softener but usually don't need that with Miralax so thank you for your call and we'll be happy to talk to you again let's go to Starkville and Anna hey Anna hey uh, good morning Dr. Richardson um, I'm a, a fan of your program and I listen oh you're mighty sweet uh, thank office. you okay and I have Three suggestions. Okay. So, first one for eczema. Uh-huh. Uh, I have very good results with um, gold bond healing with, for eczema. For for eczema. Is that yeah, right? Eczema. Uh, yeah. Gold bond eczema. ointment or uh, which one? No, the cream. You have cream. The cream. Uh-huh. You have one for your purse, 
for hands and one for the full body. Absolutely. It's it's, a, it's a very good moisturizer. I'll give you a I'll agree with that one. What about the next and one? And it's not greasy. So second one, if you don't have money, mm-hmm. better than use the uh the uh is olive oil. Olive That's oil right. It's natural, excellent. You can use it in your hair, the scalp, and you can use um in your face and, and body. And it's good on second salads one, too. Good on salads too. Yeah, you are in the kitchen, you finish cooking your dessert, <laughs> that's what my mom did. Like you put in your legs, you put in your face, you put in your hair. You know, that's what the Romans did for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. The, the women, actually the men, used it too. Uh, and it was a great moisturizer. Just a little bit greasy, but it smells good too. And no, it's uh, good, it's yeah. good. Okay, what's the and third the one? third one, I mean, the melatonin. Melatonin, uh-huh. also uh, the best the best way to use it. You can even using kids mm-hmm. because sometimes kids have uh, taking all the medicine have kind of uh, 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 don't want to go to bed, and it's safe to use. You can ask a pediatrician mm-hmm. and doctor field uh, child development actually recommend, but it starts with low doses, mm-hmm. three milligrams to five milligrams, even adults. I, you know, I, I think we need to get you a medical license. You got this all figured out. I'm a big fan of melatonin. Uh, I use it a little bit differently than you do. Uh, and for people who have eczema and skin itching, I usually add a moisturizer and gold bond and olive oil and Crisco and CeraVe and uh, all of those are great. It's just what you like and can afford. Most people don't like grease. That's why a lot of people use CeraVe or CeraVe uh, or one of the or uh, or you know, Eucerin, which is a combination, is a little bit greasy but is more of a cream. The ointments work much better with moisturization than the creams. That you will have to use twice as much cream as you do with the ointment. The CeraVe is real juicy, so it's sort of, you know, in the middle, so it, it works. And uh, the, you frequently have to take an antihistamine for the itching part until you get the dry skin fixed. And just a Zyrtec, 10 milligrams a day for an adult. I don't use melatonin in children. Uh, I am a pediatrician. I just don't like sleepers and kids. I try to figure something else out. Debbie, I'm sorry I didn't get to your call. If you want to send me an email, please do that uh, or call back next week. I want to answer your questions. Thanks for everyone who called and everyone who listened. We hope you uh, enjoyed the program and maybe even learned a little something. I certainly do every time I'm on here. So we look forward to seeing you again next week, same place, same time, right here on Southern Remedy, a production of MPB Public Radio with support from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.